As exam results day gets closer, what are you going to do come September? We've got everything from level one all the way through to, to degree level, really. So we've got level one land-based operations and then uh, technical certificates at level two and then the level three diplomas. And this year, from a land-based technology, so land-based engineering point of view, we've got the new T-level qual coming online. We'll talk to Sharon Kirby, Head of Agriculture at Rice Home College, look back at the year so far in the fields and see how that stop-start harvest going. Obviously the start of harvest has been hampered quite a lot by some fairly grim conditions, but the sun is out in Springthorpe now, luckily. Hey, it's going well here, yeah, I mean, we've had a start Monday and we've been going constantly, you know, we've had some good big days. We're very late starting the harvest, that meant the moisture of the grain is a lot lower. Plus the grain and livestock market reports and the weather for the week to come. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, welcome to the new look extended online version of the farming programme from Lynx FM. More of the week in agriculture. Hope you've had a good week, some long days and late nights. Now the combines are turning again. Apart from Monday, next week's not looking too bad weather-wise. The forecast at the end of the programme. In the news this week, growers are being encouraged to apply for this year's Sugar Industry Programme, which is now open for applications. Jointly funded by NFU Sugar and British Sugar, it's an opportunity for growers to learn more about the industry, develop professional skills and build valuable connections. The programme is a series of one- and two-day events between October 2023 and next March. If you're interested in knowing more, email nfusugar at nfu.org.uk before the 25th of September. New figures have been released showing that the cost of rural crime surged by nearly a quarter last year. That's according to the annual crime report from NFU Mutual. GPS theft rose 15% to 1.8 million and it's escalated further so far in 2023. Thefts of ATVs cost 3 million, up a third, and there was a nearly 9% increase in the cost of livestock theft at £2.7 million. Following months of lobbying between the NFU, NFU Mutual, the government and other industry organisations, the Equipment Theft Prevention Bill gained royal assent recently. Let's hope it makes a difference. And there's talk in the news of reduced yields and poorer quality this harvest. So, how is it looking for Harvest 23? I chatted with three of our Lincolnshire farmers, starting with Charles Anion, who grows various crops on his 300 hectares east of Gainsborough. How's it going so far for you, Charles? Obviously, the start of harvest has been hampered quite a lot by some fairly grim conditions, but the sun is out in Springthorpe now, luckily. So winter barley harvest uh, was a real smash and grab, and we probably averaged about 7.5, 7.6 tonnes to the hectare. Bushels were slightly down. Uh, our oilseed rape harvest was a bit of a disaster. I think we struggled with the dry conditions and uh, establishing it Last year, uh, the seeds were very small. I think we'd have been very lucky to uh, to average two tonnes a hectare, really, uh, which is very disappointing. But the wet weather in July meant there was quite a few uh, pods opened and, and, and growing on the floor, which was a bit distressing, but um, there we are. We have started our winter wheat harvest with 75. We've got 55 hectares of that is Skyfall on contract for the Millers Warburtons. It's doing fairly well. We're averaging about 10 tonnes a hectare on the Skyfall, which we're very pleased with. Quality 
is variable. We initially thought the Hagberg had been hammered, but now protein is is the thing letting us down. Maybe it was very dry when we put that nitrogen dose of um, uh, the protein dose of nitrogen on, so maybe that probably didn't get in. Apart from that, 10 tons per hectare, I'm hearing mixed reports about quality. No, we're fairly happy. Uh, we're happy the sun's come out and we're able to get on. At but, last. Um, at last. It's <laughs> been, yeah, the first couple of weeks of harvest, the first three weeks of harvest, it was it was a bit grim. but um, It's certainly know. been a stop-start this year, isn't it? Has the quality suffered with all that, do you think, Charles? Yeah, undoubtedly. I, I was you know, speaking to someone yesterday in the know and they said the quality is very poor. But as I said... You know, we we initially thought our hagberg had had fallen off, which was um, distressing for our milling wheat. But uh, that seems to have picked up a bit. It's going into wall grain storage, so every load gets tested. The last three loads that have gone in, it's been the protein that's let us down. So um, interesting. Yeah. All right, Charles. Well, look, I'll let you get on. I know it's busy time of year, so uh, thanks for the update, Charles Onion. Very good. Thanks, Steve. And to North Lincolnshire, Malk Parr grows 550 acres of wheat and 150 acres of beans. Malk, what varieties do you grow? Wheat-wise, we've grown uh, Scotch grape for a couple of years and it's still doing what it's expected to do. Uh, we tried some astronomy this year for the first time and the jury's out on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Early days. When did you actually get started then, Malk? Monday. Okay, so it's been very stop-start for most people, isn't it? How's it going for you? It's going well, yeah. yeah. I mean, we had a start Monday and have been going constantly. Uh, you know, we've had some good big days. And what kind of yield have you been getting? I would say average. Not as good as last year. No? No. Tons per acre or hectare? Anywhere from on the sand. We've got very variable land. Heavy clay to sand, blow sand. Uh, on the sand, I would think, what, two and three-quarter tonne, two and a half, maybe, and up to probably four. Right. And um, how's quality? Because this sort of stop-start, late it's harvest good. and so on seems to be affecting quality elsewhere. No, this seems all right. I must admit, the astronomer's quality does look it's like lead. It's, it's fantastic-looking stuff, but it's just... Uh, I'm not sure about the yield yet. OK, early days and moisture content? Yeah, it's all coming less than... Uh, well, to be fair, we sold some before harvest to go up to 16 and we did start at 16 on Monday but we're down to 12 yesterday <laughs> Thanks Malk and friend of the farming programme Andrew Ward with 1500 acres of wheat spring barley oats and beans between Newark and Sleaford you've not long started Andrew The harvest started only uh, this week only two or three days ago and on the light land up on the heath and that was with a variety called cranium which is a feed wheat and a bit disappointing with the yield because it was after oats, which are a, a, a decent break crop, and it's ended up yielding around eight tonnes per hectare, which isn't brilliant, but because it's light land, it's on the heathland, it got the wrong weather at the wrong time. So that the dry May and June really was what, not what it wanted. The wet July wasn't what it wanted. And so we should have had those reversed and we'd have been a lot better. Bushel weights and quality isn't brilliant because of the weather. And this is why the, the yield is lower. The bushel weight's only 73, and it really needs to be 78. We've got two more varieties of wheat to get into, and, and that's Dawson and also Gleam, which are both feed wheats. 
the gleam is after uh, beans, which we're going to get into those uh, the next day or two, and they look really, really promising, and they are in heavy soils. So hopefully, once we get to get off this light land and get into the heavy soils and get into the decent crops, the, the yields will start to rise. So yields not been so good. What about quality? We are just suffering a little bit because of the wrong weather at the wrong time. I haven't have it, had it tested for protein at all yet. We've got a meter that we can test for uh, everything else but protein here at the farm. But the bushel weight uh, isn't brilliant, and that's why it's, it's sort of a lighter grain. Um, but then once we, we get off that, that light land, hopefully the heavy land will give us some better, better results. And what about drying? Are you got moisture content problems? We haven't. We're very late starting the harvest because we store oilseed rape for a national merchant. We wanted to get the oilseed rape sheds full with other farmers' rape before we started harvest because it just made it awkward. And so because we've been later to start, that meant the moisture of the grain is a lot lower. And so we started yesterday with it at around 14 and a half, which is brilliant because 15% is the level that we need to be at when we sell it or under 15% so we don't get deductions. So it's all gone in really, really dry, which is great. And the only other thing is because of the hot weather we're having at the moment, it's gone into the stores, very high temperatures. It's in there at about 34 degrees at the minute, went in the middle of yesterday. And it, we can't leave it there for very long because if we do, it'll heat up and bugs will start to breed in the heap and it will, uh, the heap will end up crawling out the shed on its own. So we, we have to cool that. But the main thing is, Steve, it's dry, which is a huge uh, sort of weight off our shoulders. Some cool nights, put the fans on at night, that's what we do. Cool nights, get some cool air through the heap and it's amazing with these underfloor ventilation floors that we now have. We can soon cool, get 10 degrees out of a heap in, in two or three days. All right, good. Well, I'll let you get back on. You've a load more to do still. Yep, we have. Thank you, Steve. We've got, when we get this week done, uh, we're going to have a bit of a stop-start harvest because our spring crops weren't planted until uh, well into April and the end of April. And so I think we're going to have all the winter weeks will be done. I think we're then going to be stood for maybe a couple of weeks because I don't think our spring crops are going to be ready till early September. And then I think we might be stood again because I don't think the beans will be ready until the end of September. So for us, it's going to be a very much a stop-start harvest. I don't think you'll be alone in that. Thanks, Andrew. No, that's a pleasure. Thanks, Steve. So that's the situation at the moment. Let's take five to look back at the year that brought us to this point. Sean Sparling's on holiday, but he's here with his take on the season so far. The weather holds sway overall. Never a truer word in farming, is it, Steve? And that's really been the story of the year. If you just think back on our weather since the 1st of October, it was dry until about the 20th of October. Really dry. And in fact, many of the oilseed rape fields that were lost last autumn were only in part due to the worst cabbage stem flea beetles since 20. But mainly they were down to just how dry the seedbeds were and consequently how slow to grow that old seed rate was. It couldn't outgrow the cabbage stem flea beetle grazing in many cases. It either succumbed to that pressure or it simply didn't grow at all. And that's a reminder why moisture, soil temperature, soil and seed contact are all so vital in the establishment of old seed rate. The insecticides and snake oils out there are doing very little good now against the pest itself once again. So plenty of autumn cereal drilling happened from mid-September 2022 to the, about the 20th of October when the rain came. Worryingly, but not unexpectedly, I suppose,
suppose pretty much all of even the baddest of the bad black grassland had gone in way before we'd even have a sniff of a flush of grass weeds in the stale seabed and then it started to rain and the drilling of the black grassy stuff was widely then justified by well look at the weather now if we hadn't drilled it when we did we'd have never got it in and to be fair it's really hard to argue with that logic because that's absolutely right after the 20th of October we took pretty much an inch of rain a week to the end of December 249 millimeters of rain in that 10 week period for me and just 10 days in those 72 days when it didn't actually rain and that wet weather meant that cereal roots didn't have to look for water and that left crops with shallow lateral root systems rather than deep bushy ones all that rain moved any residuals we'd put on down the profile not away but down the profile meaning that any black grass which then germinated in that top inch inch and a half in December January February and even March is what we're seeing out in the fields now the autumn preams actually worked really well crops were really very clean at Christmas but they just got washed out of contention really and then we had a more normal frosty winter plenty of frost and just 39 mil of rain in the first two months of this new year then we took 94 mil of rain in March and 54 mil of rain in April so the spring drilling was severely disrupted horrible drilling conditions this spring right up to about the 13th of May and we took another 49 mil of rain in May up to the 13th and then it came dry so we had 197 millimetres of rain at home. Many across the county had way more than that in that period, but that's eight inches of rain from the 1st of March to the 13th of May, just when we needed to get our spring crops drilled and when the winter crops all needed fungicides, herbicides, nitrogen, etc., etc. All that needed to go on as well in those conditions. And when, because of the persistence of the wet and its similarly unforgiving partner in crime this year, the high winds, that was also a hugely disruptive feature of spring 2023, all of these operations were so badly compromised that drillings were catchy and particularly suboptimal in many cases. Peas and barley, two crops that will not be mauled in, ended up getting mauled in and many of them looked absolutely awful until just a few short weeks ago. The peas never actually recovered from the foot rot and the mauled in spring barleys are still looking highly indignant today. And what they'll eventually yield, it, you know, it's anyone's guess. But the disruption from that wind and rain early season meant that way too many timings got missed and optimal spraying and spreading and drilling days were all but a dream this year but then it did stop raining and after a few nervy days the remaining fields of barley sugar beet spring beans peas and even a field of linseed against my better judgment went in in may and then it stayed dry didn't it and because it then became a season of storms and thundery showers from then on we were under the constant threat of rain but not a drop of, of rain fell for me from the 13th of may to the 17th of june and that's when my crops needed it. 16 mil of rain fell from the 17th of June to the 3rd of July and that coincided with temperatures in the high 20s and low 30s. Very warm high speed winds again. In fact those winds haven't really let up since. So a real bona fide disease year in the winter cereals this year. High levels of septoria tritici, rust almost unstoppable in Zayat and Skyfall. Winter beans too. Chocolate spot appeared way earlier than I've ever seen it in over 35 years before it even started to flower. Residual herbicides in sugar beet, cereals, peas, beans, all struggling to do much good for us in those dry, arid conditions from mid-May to early July either. So in some fields, much scruffier beet, peas, beans, barleys and other spring crops than we're used to seeing. But we've made it to harvest. 
you know, and we always were going to make it to harvest, weren't we? It, it was never in doubt. It's been tough. The wet and the windy weather means it's been incredibly annoying. It's been overwhelmingly frustrating at times, and it's been a season many of us will choose to forget. But here we are. We're still here. We still have our health. We still have our freedom. We have our harvest, and we really have no reason to be anything other than eternally grateful for what we have, particularly when you see what's going on to normal people and normal farmers, just like us in Ukraine and elsewhere around the world. We might have had a weather-ravaged 2023 season, a dodgy, rain-interrupted harvest, and maybe we'll get poorer yields than we expected or wanted thanks to that weather. We might have to dry more grain, but we won't die in an airstrike this afternoon. We won't suffer the devastating hardship and loss of war, and we will get up tomorrow with nothing more to worry about than the weather forecast and whether one of our neighbours tells us that his yields are better than ours. We've got to harvest 2023. And whether it's a good one or a bad one on any level, we are free to start thinking about planting for another year in this country. We should all be thankful that we all still have that choice. Millions of others do not. So with that in mind, I'll see you on the other side of harvest. God willing. Bonjour. Thanks, Sean. Hope you're enjoying your well-deserved break. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. With exam results day getting scarily close, if you or yours are looking at what next, that's what we'll talk about. Next, plus a look at the grain and livestock markets and the weather for the week to come. The Farming Programme with our equipped steel stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate Grantham, supplying the region for over 40 years. Exam results day is not far away. It's nearly 50 years ago for me and it still gives me the shudders thinking back. If you or yours are thinking of a career in agriculture, one of the principal agricultural colleges has plenty of learning opportunities available come September. Sharon Kirby is Head of Agriculture at the College. Sharon, before we look at what's available at Rise Home, how's the year just ended been for the College and its students? Yeah, we've had a great year, thank you very much. It's been uh, busy. We're always, we're always busy and we've had a, a good influx of, of students across the board from sort of our lower, lower level one courses up to our degree courses and we've utilised the, the university's farm and our, our, our connections and our uh, industry partners really well this year and we, we sort of want to build on that moving, moving forward. I think that's important, isn't it, when anybody's considering where to go and what to do for their agriculture course. Those connections with the local industry and with the Uni of Lincoln are really, really important, aren't they? Yeah, they're really vital for us because obviously we work in partnership with the university alongside our practical um, activities. So all our practical land-based activities take place at the the Rhizome campus. Um, so with the livestock um, there, with the sheep and the Lincoln Reds and the arable, etc., as well as the estate, actually. We've done an awful lot of estate maintenance work this year there, and that's the fundamental part of what agriculture is around. You know, it's not just around the, the food production side of it, but obviously managing the wider estates as, as well. And, you know, our industry partners inform what direction our curriculum needs to go in and whether we need to put more emphasis on getting some more um, practical competency-based certificates for our students to go straight into the workplace or it's just around you know the softer skills around communication and problem solving as well. Yeah as you say there's a there's a lot more than just learning how to drive a tractor or what goes in the field uh, at different stages of the year isn't it but we're getting yeah. towards that results time for the youngsters now and they'll be yeah. looking at uh, what they've got and where to go next mm. what's going to be available come September at Rise Home? 
So we've got um, we've got everything from level one all the way through to to degree level, really. So we've got level one land-based operations, and then uh, technical certificates at level two, and then the level three diplomas. And this year, from a land-based technology, so land-based engineering point of view, we've got the new T-level qual coming online. So we're, it's the first year that anyone's been allowed to to run it because it's only just been approved, and so we're part of the, one of the early adopters of that qualification. So that's quite a new and exciting curriculum change for us around the land-based engineering. Just tell and us a we'll little go... bit about the T-Qual, if you could, before we move on a little bit. Yeah. What, what's new about it? So the, the T-level qualification is, is led by industry. So it's been designed and developed by our industry, wider national industry partners. And it's run through City and Guilds, which obviously is a, a primary awarding body in the, in the UK. And it, it ensures that we are not only keeping the academic level up, but they have to have at least 20% on the job training. So they have to have mandatory work placement. And that is for the whole of the year so they've got to go out and have uh, structured work placements with our industry partners really so every course has always had work experience but this is now quite a massive chunk of what they have to do moving forward for the t levels right lovely that explains that nicely sorry i interrupted yep. you carry on okay. with with where you were going <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's quite exciting for us here because um and then next year we'll pick up the agricultural t level um, but this year, the, the engineering, the land-based engineering T-level is where we're, where we're looking at. And then our degree courses. So we've got um, degrees in agriculture, precision crop technology and farm business administration, as well as precision agriculture as well. So quite a range of, of suites of, of qualifications, really, we've got on offer alongside, obviously, our apprenticeships as well. I was going to say, does this um, T-level qualification almost replace apprenticeships? They sound very similar. Yeah, it's the flip of an apprenticeship. So an apprenticeship spends 20% of their working week off the job. So they come into college one day a week and our T-level goes into placement one day a week. So it flips it round a little bit. So there are some alternatives depending yeah. on where somebody's looking at, uh, at heading with their career. And what yeah. about entry-level requirements for students going into or applying for courses? Yeah, so our level two students require GCSEs at grade three and they'll be an expectation that they'll have to do GCSE maths and English alongside that because everyone has to have a grade four when they leave education. And then our level three students need grade fours or above. So depending on how successful a student, an applicant is at their GCSE, we've essentially got a course to suit all levels of GCSE achievement. Even if they don't get, a, you know, the full requirement, we've got a course to suit that. And what about the degree courses? So the degree courses, so they require UCAS points. So that's focused at those students coming out of A-level or maybe finishing a college course. So we require UCAS points for 80 for our foundation degree and 104 for our BSc programme. And what if somebody's results don't come quite where they were hoping for? Should the, is, is that it or should they get in touch with you? No, no, please get in touch. You know, we've got an inquiries helpline on our website and a member of staff will, will get back to them. We've got, obviously, the GCSE results day is the 24th of August, which isn't that far away. So drop us a line. We're always, there's always a friendly voice at the end of the phone and we can discuss options.
I guess we can find out all the information we need on Rice Home College's website, but you've got an open day coming up as well soon. Yeah, absolutely. So go to the website and also we've got an open day coming up on Saturday the 7th of October. So even if someone's made a choice to stay on at A-levels and they, they do a couple of weeks at A-level, they think it's not the right thing for them, they need to drop us a line or come to the open day. It's not, it's not too late. We start the new year at the beginning of September and if they, can, if they want to make a decision, it's not too late in that, those first few weeks. So yeah, the 7th of October is our next open day. And that website address again, Sharon? Is www.rhizome.ac.uk. All right, Sharon, thank you ever so much for joining us on the farming programme. You're more than welcome. And you can get in touch too via social media. Just look for Rise Home College. Links FM Farming. Market reports. Starting with livestock and from Louth Livestock Market auctioneer Oliver Chapman. Morning, Steve. Another weekly roundup from here at Louth. It must be said the last seven days has been nothing but record-breaking and uh, bursting all boundaries. Starting with the prime cattle on Monday, with steers to 286 pence per kilo or £1,621 for JNS Brooks of Strubby, while a heifer sell to 281 pence per kilo from the same good home or £1,613 for WH Jakes and Sons of Adelthorpe. On to the cool cattle, and a single cool bull broke the records and all barriers this week for Stuart Renshaw of Tetford at 180. 84 pence per kilo or £2,091.90, a new market record in a non-fat week. Also this week was store cattle with a bumper show, seeing a top in the steers for WG Hall and Son at £1,170, with the heifers topping at £1,145 for JS Mason and Sons. It must be said that it was also the annual summer consignment from Stuart Renshaw, with steers away to 335 pence per kilo, with G Ruston Partners seeing highs for heifers of 306.1 pence per kilo. On to the lambs, a larger than expected show after Friday sale. See an SQQ of 271.35 pence per kilo with an all-in average of 274.45 pence per kilo. Both of the sections topping for Phil Weaver of Newark at 311 pence per kilo or £142 per head. On to the cool use, slightly larger yarding, slightly easier on the week. However, it must be said there are plenty feeding and grazing use mixed amongst those. Topping for Shaw Brothers of Binbrook at £130 to all in average £68.49. That wraps Monday's sale up. We now go back to Friday the 4th, which saw our annual partly fair show and sale of breeding and store sheep. A record-breaking number of 1,381 sheep penned. Saw a tremendous trade across the board with the uh, breeding rams selling to a top of 980 guineas for C. Wright of Boston, while the Gimmers breeding shearlings topped at £252 per head for Woolhall Investments Limited, up from Spalding. Those all in averaged with everything at £202.81. And the store lambs again saw record numbers of 836 penned, with a top for Middleton Brothers at £124 in the stores, with the ewe lambs topping for A&N Spillman at £152. These all in that average £89.26, with records broken all week. Huge thank you to everyone that's been and supported both sales. We're back on again tomorrow and back to our weekly sales of prime and cool cattle and all classes of sheep. So for all marketing or, or anything else, please do not hesitate to contact me. This is Oliver Chapman for Masons and Louth Market and thank you. Thanks Oliver and with a look at the week on the grain markets Open Fields Kit Dickinson. Morning Kit. Well good morning Steve. The war continues to cast a cloud over the market as fresh tip for tap military strikes are carried out. 
Ukrainian strikes deeper into Russian territory have increased the risk of Putin exacting retribution. There is speculation that Ukraine could retake the Crimea, which may have implications for the Kerch Bridge, which spans the Kerch Strait, which connects the Black Sea to the Sea of Azov, through which 30% of the Russian exports flow. A large reduction in Russian export availability is not priced in to the current market. The European harvest has been a stop-start affair with unwanted rains in Poland, France, Germany, Ukraine and the UK, which has the market anticipating increased volumes of feed wheat, which will need to compete with other feed grains. On the flip side, global milling wheat stocks are tightening with ongoing concerns in Canada, Australia, Argentina, Ukraine, the EU and US and Russian spring wheat areas. There are reports that the Romanian port of Constanza is already reacting to saturation point with some operators limiting intake and some refusing to take anything at all. It remains to be seen how freely grains flow over land from the Ukraine to the neighbouring EU countries given the current logistical constraints. It would appear that Brussels is looking to commercial operators for solutions as there is no money available in the EU coffers. So looking at barley this week, the weather has not helped the malting barley harvest and across last week not much have been cut. The majority of samples so far have tested okay, with nitrogen levels being on the lower side, around 1.6 to 1.65, and retention mostly above 90%. We are seeing issues in the southern regions of pre-germination, fusarium and mouldy grains, along with better samples depending on when they were cut. We are seeing some samples following very heavy rain on Saturday, which may have deteriorated further. More encouragingly, some samples are good. This could be down to the planting dates and the crop not being ready to harvest, which prevents the plant taking any harm against the weather. Further north, there is still winter malting barley to be cut and the quality is beginning to deteriorate. Molsters have been rejecting winters at 90% germination with sprouted grains. Interestingly, the Scottish winter malting barley crop is good, slightly higher nitrogen results, but very usable all the same. Or seed rape, Matif rapeseed has continued to be pressured, closing down nine of the last 12 trading days. The weather forecasts across the US Midwest have continued to weigh on Chicago soybean futures, along with recent rains in Canada being late seeded canola, although the majority of the crop is still expected to be subpar. The US Midwest weather forecast for August continues to look favourable for the soybean production, helping to alleviate worries. For the crop. The most recent condition ratings for the US crop have improved more and analysts are expected a 54% of the soybean crop to be rated as good to excellent, up from a 52% last week. Moving on to prices this week, feed wheat for August 172 to 182, November 183 to 193, February 187 to 197 and May 191 to 201. Milling wheat premiums are circa £60. August feed barley off the combine 148 to 158, November 160 to 170, February 163 to 173 and May 166 to 176. For malting barley premiums, please do speak to your local open field farm business manager. An all seed rape, August 341 to 351, November 352 to 362 and February 355 to 365. Looking forward to May 358 to 368. Thanks, Kit. You're listening to the newly extended podcast or online version of the farming programme. More and more people are listening this way rather than on the traditional radio. So we've added extra content, made it longer and easier to listen whenever you want. 
Just like on the radio, the online version goes live every Sunday morning at 7, but you can listen whenever it's convenient to you, on your phone or tablet on the Freelinks FM app, on the website, all podcast platforms, or ask your smart speaker to play the farming programme. And as with all these, you can pause, go back, skip forward, and listen again if you miss something. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Apart from Monday, it's another mostly dry, warm week in Lincolnshire. A light southwesterly for Sunday, dry with highs of 21 Celsius. Monday brings some light rain through the early part of the day. Southerly winds in the upper teens MPH, turning westerly and the day brightens later, highs in the low 20s. More sunshine for midweek, light and variable breezes and temperatures nudging the mid-20s as the pressure starts to build. And the winds veer to the east and ease for the rest of the week, dry under partially cloudy skies and highs around 21, 22 degrees. Well, that's your lot for today. Next week, we'll talk grain drying, look back at the year so far for livestock and ask how two of the big farming public awareness campaigns have fared this time. I'm Steve Orchard. Until then, have a great week. And however you listen, share the Farming Programme podcast. The Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders with Embrook Industrial Estate Grantham. BSI ISO 9001 accredited.